So a week ago on April 14th, 2020, my grandmother passed away from the coronavirus. She was 93 years old and she did live in a senior citizen community in Connecticut where my mom's family is originally from. For those of y'all who don't know, my cat, named Stone, who would have been six today, April 21st, passed away from an extremely rare feline disease. And my uncle actually passed away as well. He passed away in January of this year after having battled lung cancer for a really, really long time. People tell me that death comes in threes, and so I've definitely had three pretty significant deaths in my life just this year. At the same time, I've lost lots of friends, family members, loved ones to various circumstances over the years, and so I feel like I've really developed a good way of coping with that pain that comes from losing the people that you love. Death is unfortunately an unavoidable and universal truth of the human condition. We will all die and every single person that we know and love is going to die as well. So how do we as humans deal when the angel of death comes and takes away the people who we miss so much when they're gone? Thank you for joining me for another episode of the podcast. Mi nombre es Jalen. Soy una maestra, una lingüista, una escritora, una activista y un amante de películas y arte. Y hoy vamos a ver las tragedias para enfrentar la muerte. I'm going to talk in depth about the seven stages of grief that psychologists and grief therapists recognize that most people go through. And I'm also going to reveal my own patterns of behavior for how I've learned over the years to deal. In the last part of the episode, I'm also going to address something a little bit more controversial, which are my beliefs on what we can expect for the afterlife, what to expect when we die, and whether or not I believe that there is life after death or la vida futura. Welcome another time to The Garden in the Desert, my podcast where I delve deep into my own personal issues, help you uncover and solve your personal issues, and even take anonymous phone calls from different people all over the world. Even in the most unlikely and uninhabitable places, beautiful things can grow. So grief is hard to deal with. It doesn't really matter how you look at it doesn't matter who dies, it doesn't matter how they die, it's just it's just a difficult thing. There is really no way to like rationalize away what you feel because loss is is just loss. Only with lots and lots and lots of time do some of those negative emotions start to go I'm not even going to say go away because they honestly never, it literally never goes away, but the negative emotions sort of start to ease up a little bit. There's so many feelings that a person might feel when someone that they love passes away. So regret, relief, confusion, bitterness, those are all natural and healthy emotions. And like I said, it can take years for those feelings to progress or to change. Grief is an emotional, physical, mental, and social thing to experience. It can cause you to have physical pain and ailments, emotional or mental health issues or breakdowns, or even withdraw from social activities or social groups that you once enjoyed. 
Psychologists, grief therapists, and mental health experts generally recognize seven stages of grief, and I'm going to go through each of them briefly right now. So stage one is known as shock or disbelief, and that tends to be a little bit more common when the death is unexpected um, or sudden. It feels like something isn't really happening. It's almost like it's an out-of-body experience. And I would say that this happened most recently with me and my cat because I got home one night. He was totally fine. Like, I didn't know anything was wrong with him whatsoever. Like, I really just was thinking that it was like a normal trip. I went on a trip for the weekend. um, And yeah, I came home and he was unresponsive and terminally ill. And it was just so unexpected because even though, like, he did live for a month after that, like, while I took him back and forth to the vet, while we tried different treatments to kind of turn him around, see if he would turn the corner, um, I just couldn't, like, wrap my mind around him dying. Like, I just... Even up until the day that the vet told me that he was putting him to sleep that night, like, I just, I still couldn't believe it. And even after he passed away, like, it still felt unreal. And what I learned after this experience, which I didn't know, I had to do some research on it, is that sometimes pets become more intimate than our family members because we spend, like, way, way, way more time with them. Like, they sleep in the bed with you, maybe they... Um, are with you 24-7, they live with you, like you never really think about them not being around. And when someone or something that's so close to you suddenly is gone, like out of nowhere, it feels almost like an out-of-body experience. And so that's definitely the first stage that I know that I go through a lot because if somebody dies and I just like wasn't expecting it, I just can't like wrap my mind around like what I'm experiencing or what's what's happening. The second stage of grief is known as the denial stage and this um, is similar to the disbelief, but it's more so like a grounded feeling of like, okay, like this didn't really happen. Like she didn't get into a car accident and die. Like he didn't get hit by a bus and die. He didn't get coronavirus after he just posted a video about coronavirus and die. Like these things don't actually happen. Like this is not real life. And so... With my grandmother, there's been certain members of my family who don't believe that she really died from coronavirus. Like, they are like, oh, she died of old age or whatever. And, like, that's not true. My grandma was fine. Like, yeah, she was old, but she was fine. Like, she had diabetes, but she wasn't in any sort of, like, critical medical emergency until the night that the nurses found her not breathing properly and after she went to the hospital that was pretty much the end um that was the end of it so the denial stage I feel like adds an extra layer of pain because it's like you don't want to face reality and one day when it comes to coronavirus like one day everything was all good and then the next day it wasn't and During this stage of the grieving process, like people often imagine or daydream that the departed party is going to come back. So whether they're on their way home and they're going to walk from the walk into the door soon or whether like someone's playing a joke on them and it's like a prank. 
um, or that they'll wake up in the morning and things will go back to the way they were before, but they don't go back to the way they were before. And they honestly, they never will. The third stage of grief is called the bargaining stage. And that's the stage where you offer something up to a higher being or higher power in exchange for bringing your loved one back. So when my uncle was getting sicker, my aunt prayed that if God would only like, you know, heal my uncle's lungs or stop him from smoking, then she would be like a better wife and a better mother and a better grandmother, right? Like she was making these kind of like petitions to God to give her this life back in exchange for her behaving in a certain way or whatever. Um, When my cat got sick, I remember sitting alone in the vet's office and You know, if you don't know me very well, you'll find out that I don't pray uh, really at all. (laughs) Um, And it's interesting because when things happen in your life, it's like the first reaction that you have is to pray. And so I remember being in the vet's office and praying that if God would only save him, I would be a better cat mom. I would be more attentive. I would be more focused. I would be more responsible. I would be more frugal. I would learn more about cats. Like I would just be better because I felt like I was, you know, if God would just do this one thing for me, like I would do something in return. And what's interesting about the bargaining phase is that it's kind of like a human you have this false sense of control as if you have some way that you can control fate or change the fated outcome by petitioning this higher power. And deep down, human beings, we crave control. We crave the ability to control fate, but we can't. And that's a really, really hard pill pill to swallow when you realize that you don't have control over really anything. The fourth stage of grief is called the guilt stage. And I would say that this is definitely the most difficult stage for me because in the guilt stage, the griever is going to blame him or herself and ask, well, what if I had done this? Or if only I had done this. And, you know, sometimes I think um, like if only I had tried harder to convince my grandmother to move in with my mom in Maryland, then maybe she wouldn't have been in the senior citizens community in Connecticut and she would have been safe in our house. She would have been quarantined and we could have protected her and she wouldn't have had to um, to die alone. When it comes to my cat, I think back like, oh, if I hadn't gone away that weekend, if I hadn't left my cat's home alone that weekend, if I'd only taken him to the vet sooner, um, if I had only been paying more attention then maybe he wouldn't have gotten so sick and I could have caught the problem earlier and he would still be alive. I think too, like, if only I had told my uncle I loved him more and I told him that I hated him smoking and I told him that I cared about him and that I wanted him to live, maybe he would have quit smoking sooner um, and maybe the doctors could have saved him. It's like I feel culpable, like it's my fault that they're gone. Como era mi culpa que mi abuela se murió. O como era mi culpa que mi gatito se fue. O era mi culpa que mi tío ya no está aquí para cuidar y proteger sus niños y sus nietos. 
But the reality is, guys, is that it's not anybody's fault. It's not my fault that these people died, even though sometimes I feel like I didn't do anything to protect them or to save them. But la verdad es que no es así. No era mi culpa, no era la culpa de nadie. Pase lo que pase, la vida es la vida. <sighs> Moving through the guilt phase, like I said, continues to be the most painful part of my grieving process. And the pain and the culpability, it does. It, it still weighs on me. And I think that it weighs on a lot of people when they lose the people that they love. It's just, it's tough, but you have to try to remember that nothing that you could have done could have prevented, you know, the outcome, really. Life is a menagerie of multiple possibilities and multiple different outcomes, and humans just aren't capable of controlling that as much as we, we may want to do so. The fifth stage of grief is the anger stage, And this is the stage where you start to ask these questions like, well, why did this happen to me? Why is life so unfair? Why were the doctors so incompetent? I deserve payback. This was wrong. I was robbed. Like this was, this is not right. And I think with coronavirus, it's natural for a lot of us to feel incredibly, incredibly angry. Like I feel like, okay, why do all these black and brown people have to die? All these poor people are suffering when they've already suffered so much. And the wealthy white elite is just chilling and only concerned about their own financial well-being. Why did my grandma have to die this way um, by herself without my mom being able to be there to um, to hold her hand and like say goodbye? Um I think like, why do some people treat their animals like trash, abuse their animals, and yet they get to keep their animals and their animals are still alive. And I treated my cat better than anything. He was the most important thing in my life and he's gone now. Like, why is everything that I love always taken away from me? I feel like when you go through the anger phase, you tend to have a really short fuse and you lack patience with dealing with people and you might lash out and seek out arguments a lot. Like my mom and my aunt have been arguing and lashing out at each other over my grandmother's obituary for the past four or five days. And I know that deep down it's because they feel angry and they feel like they're out of control. And sometimes it's easier to feel angry than it is to feel sad because anger fills you up. Like it fills you up and it consumes you, but sadness empties you out and leaves you feeling hollow on the inside. The sixth stage of dealing with grief is depression. And, you know, with three deaths back to back to back, I definitely felt empty and I felt like, what's the point? Like, why do I get attached to anybody? We're all going to die anyway. Like, why am I getting myself so worked up? You know, when you're going through this depressed stage, you may not want to get out of bed. You may avoid social activities, like I mentioned earlier, that were previously enjoyable for you. You may end up seeking out psychotherapy um, or antidepressants. And this is a stage that can be prolonged indefinitely if you never find a way to work on it. So 
my paternal grandfather on my father's side, when his wife, my grandmother, passed away when I was in high school, my grandfather never moved on from that depression. He... To be honest, I never saw my grandfather sober again after her funeral. He literally drank himself to to death because he couldn't accept that she was gone. And, you know, it was one of the saddest things that I've truly ever seen to just watch someone die of grief like that was really, really difficult. Um... And I felt relieved when he passed away a few years later because I felt like he wasn't suffering anymore because I knew that he was suffering from depression and extreme, extreme grief. The last stage of dealing with the process of grieving is the acceptance or the hope stage. So this is a stage that you've just got to get to at some point, like some way, somehow, Um you have to turn those bitter, painful emotions into something useful. So ultimately, life has to go on. And one thing I've learned is that I know how to keep going, like no matter what obstacles life throws at me, no matter how hard things get, I've just figured out a way to keep swimming and keep moving. And so my advice to anybody that's struggling to get to that acceptance phase is one, Um, to focus on the good things and not the bad things. So it's really easy to dwell on um, like how the person died and the circumstances surrounding their death. But um, you have to just remember like how much that person loved you and sorry, um, how much you and the deceased person shared. And um, that love is something that will never go away. Excuse me. Um, And something that can never be changed. And so you just really want to just focus on that and that positive, those positive times and those positive memories that you had with that person. Uh, Because that's really what matters. It's not what matters. Um, You know, like what matters isn't um, how they died. It's it's the life that they lived. So you want to just focus on um, on that, um, the second tip that I have is to find inspiration in your pain. So, um, losing my grandmother in this way has really revitalized a lot for me about some of my long-term term goals and what I believe is important to me. And, you know, I really do want to make this world a better place and make this world what I want it to be and be a better servant of my community and my society. And so sometimes you really need that that wake-up call, that, um, that kick in the pants to push you to make those necessary changes um, in, in your life. And so you really just want to make sure that that person's death was, you know, not in vain um, and that you transform into the person that you were destined to be from this difficult experience. I definitely don't, you know, know what my purpose in life is. I would not purport to know that by any means, but I do know what's important to me and I know the general direction that I should be moving in. So 
try to find inspiration and not just not just when people die but try to find inspiration in all the tough times in your life because life is hard you guys um it's so fucking hard and you just gotta like you gotta deal with it man you gotta just push through and deal with it so any obstacle that you guys face any challenge that you face um try to find something good something good out of it um the last thing is to be thankful for the relationship that you share which I guess is kind of similar to my first point about focusing on the positive things but an attitude of gratitude goes so far in life um not just in death but with anything that you could be dealing with and so you want to try and figure out you know what that person gave to you um I'll admit, I didn't have the best relationship with my grandmother. Honestly, I didn't even really like her as a person. But she passed down a strength and a fierceness to me that I will be forever grateful for. She spoke her mind. Um, She didn't take shit from anybody. And she never asked for anything from anybody either. And without her, I wouldn't be this invincible, powerful person that I am today. And so thank you, grandma, for giving that to me. Because um, I know that it's gonna make sure that I'm able to fulfill whatever it is I'm destined to fulfill on this earth. Um, Sorry, just give me a quick second. I don't know why I did my makeup, because I'm just gonna like look crazy. But um, to stone my kitty, my kind of like my first son, my first real responsibility. Um, I loved you so much. I rescued stone, um, from, you guys probably wouldn't even believe this, but I literally rescued him from a trap house. I, uh, used to work at a restaurant and I would get off from the bar really late um and there was this one drug dealer that I had who would let me come by anytime he would let me buy even just like a dime bag of weed if that's all I could afford um and one night I went over there and there was this little black cat underneath my seat um and we connected instantly and I took him home that night and I swung by a 7-Eleven and got, like, a bag of overpriced cat litter. Let me tell you, don't ever buy cat litter from 7-Eleven. It's, like, the worst rip-off. It's, like, a scam. Like, literally scamming. Um, but, yeah, I bought the cat litter, and me and him were honestly just, you know, we were inseparable ever since. And when I found my cat, I was really lost, um... I had just got out of a pretty abusive relationship, um, and I had done a lot of things in my life that I was really, really, really ashamed of. I didn't have goals. I didn't have plans. I didn't have furniture. Like, I didn't have anything. And I always would joke to people that, you know, I saved my cat's life and that my cat loved me so much because he knew I saved his life. And even when he was dying at the vet... Sorry. Even when he was dying, um, the vet told me, because, you know, she would bring him in the room and he would jump right into my lap. And she was like, wow, I can tell how much he he loves you. Um, I would always joke that 
you know, like I saved his life, but truthfully, he he saved mine. He gave me somebody to love. He gave me something to be responsible for. Um, he took away a lot of loneliness at a really, really shitty time of my life. And so for that, I am forever grateful. And I'm so thankful for the five years that we spent together. And I changed so much about myself in that time and grew so much. And I'm so proud of myself. Um, And I'm sad that he won't be there with me um, as I continue my journey because he was there with me every step of the way while I was working on myself. But I'm eternally grateful for um, that experience. And I actually keep his ashes um, in my room. And sometimes I even put him in the bed with me just to remind me... um, you know, of how far I've come. So happy birthday, little buddy. I miss you so much. Rest in peace, grandma and Tio. I miss you both so, so much. And to all of you guys who have lost somebody, whether it's from the coronavirus or from any reason, from a disease or from an accident or just from, you know, the universe taking that loved one away from you, I I see you and my thoughts and my condolences go out to you during this difficult time. We will get through this, but take every day and feel what you feel like you need to feel, feel how you feel, and just be thankful that you are still living and breathing and we'll see another day. All right, y'all. So I had to get myself all the way back together because I was looking a little emotional. It was a hot mess, but thank you for bearing with me while I got through that. Um, So before I wrap up this episode for the week, I wanted to take some time to talk about, so what happens when we die? Because we know we be dying, but like what be happening afterwards? So, um... If you're super religious, spiritual, or easily offended, you are not about to like what I'm going to say. So maybe you want to cut off the video here. I don't know. Um, Because what I'm about to say is probably going to counter a lot of your fundamental core beliefs. Truth of the matter is, is that nobody knows what happens when we die. Religious leaders, philosophers, psychics, everybody's claim to quote, quote, have an idea of what happens when we die. But the reality is, is that nobody, nobody knows. Without somebody literally going to the other side and coming back, there is no way for the rest of us to know what happens when you die. So I know what you're thinking. You're like, but Jalen, what about Jesus? Jesus came back to life, right? There's no historical or scientific proof to validate the fact that Jesus supposedly rose from the dead. I actually did an episode already um, called, Is Jesus Really King? You guys can listen to it um, if you want to hear my opinions about Christianity. But the reality is, is that most likely Jesus didn't come back from the dead and neither are any of us. We not come back from the dead, neither. The only truth is that human beings fear death and we fear dying. So religions and spiritual groups have long perpetuated the likely false idea of an afterlife. After suffering on earth, it's like we're going to be reunited with those of us who came before us and then we're all going to live in this like perfect paradise. 
And so you're probably also thinking, well, Jalen, how do you know that that's not true? Because you just said that nobody really knows for sure. So if you don't really know for sure, then you can't really know that it's not true. I don't know. That's the truth. I don't know if there's life after death or not. I truly don't know. All I know is that I believe what my eyes and my ears record, and I believe in the physical world and empirical data, concrete evidence. There is nothing to suggest that there is any form of life after death or that life continues in any way after you take your last breath here on earth. So when you die, there's probably not nothing after that. And I understand, I really do, why people believe in the afterlife because it's very comforting when you're dealing with grief and loss and death to propel yourself toward that acceptance phase that I was talking about in the first part of the episode. So there's nothing wrong with choosing to believe in an afterlife if that's what you want to believe in. If believing in an afterlife makes you better, if it brings you solace, um, then believe in it. Like, it's okay to believe in things that probably aren't real. But it's also okay to be an atheist or to not be spiritual and not believe in anything. Like whatever brings you peace is okay for you to believe in. So for me, like not believing in life after death and not believing in a theistic God or a theistic religion, to me, that's helped me to embrace my own mortality. I feel like more motivated to live my best life in the real life world as opposed to like waiting for some reward or some I don't know some closure in like an afterlife like for me I want to live every single day to the fullest and I want to just basically live in the moment and not be worried about what could or maybe is existing after all of this is done Of course, I'm a human being. I don't want to die. I don't think anybody wants to die, but I found a stronger connection to my individual purpose and my power to build the life that I truly want to live when I accepted the fact that there's probably nothing after I die. You don't need to wait for like some God who you can't see, you can't hear, you can't touch to set a path for you in life and reward you. Like, I feel like I make my own path and that's my reward is enjoying it here in the physical world. I can be my own God now and create the reality that I truly desire. Now, granted, if I were to subscribe to a set of spiritual beliefs, those beliefs would most likely be Buddhist because Buddhists don't actually believe in a theistic God. They only believe in universal energy. And so energy has a natural push and a natural pull, which is karma. And I think that that makes a lot of sense when you consider the fact that the earth is a magnet. And so the earth has a natural push and a pull to it as well. And if energy can be neither created nor destroyed, then it makes sense that it can't die. Like energy can't die because it it can't be created and it can't be destroyed. So it exists eternally and it's reborn over and over and over again through the natural cycle of birth and death, which Buddhists call reincarnation. And like reincarnation sounds like a pretty sweet deal to me. So 
I'm cool if that's the way it is. You know, maybe in my next life, I'll be lucky enough to find the energy of my loved ones who are no longer with me and my soul will find that peace and that reunification and an end to my suffering here on earth and I'll ultimately achieve nirvana, which is the highest state of enlightenment that a being can achieve. So Maybe that's the way it goes. I hope that's the way it goes. But for now, I'm just going to focus on living and leave whatever happens after life for when that time comes. Thank you so much, guys, for sticking with me. If you made it this far through the episode, I hope that everything that I shared about my own personal experiences with loss and losing people and losing things, I hope it resonated with you guys a lot. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, if you want to hear more episodes, head on over to my podcast link tree where you can check me out on either Apple Podcasts Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, SoundCloud Podcasts, um, and Stitcher Podcasts as well. You guys can also follow me on my Instagram. I'll either like figure out how to throw that up on the screen or I'll put it down there in the box. Um, And if you found this episode helpful, please share it with somebody or leave me a review or a reseña on Apple Podcasts because that's how my podcast will grow and more people will be able to hear... um, what I have to say if anybody cares what I have to say I don't know um but yeah thank you so much it's been a pleasure era un placer como siempre y te veo pronto bye